Hermione Granger and the Silent Country. From There Is Nothing to Fear by Santissi Day. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Chapter 28 The Day of Their Calamity. Hermione landed flat on her back, skidding across grass and dirt, body aching. She had hardly any time to take note of her surroundings, rows of gravestones, riddles still standing, and seven figures around them draped in white gold robes, illuminated dimly by the stars and by the light of a distant town. Wait, night? Stars? There hadn't been any stars just a second ago. Save the girl! she heard someone shout, and there are two of them! The order of those statements seemed wrong in the instant that Hermione had to analyze them, and then she noticed that there was someone else here too, a strange black-haired boy sprawled across the ground in a spread of body parts, a head here and a leg there. A thrill of worry leapt up in her heart for him, fearing he'd been torn apart, but the only blood was on his forehead. And she could make out how he hadn't been splinched either, but rather lay partly beneath that invisibility cloak. Dimitri, she whispered. Hermione wasn't the only one to notice Dimitri. Riddle's mask turned so sharply that she wouldn't have been surprised to hear his neck snap, and one of the white-gold wizards, a man with a spinning electric blue eye, pointed his wand at Dimitri just as quickly. "'Hack your cloak!' the wizard shouted. But the anti-theft charms on the invisibility cloak held fast against the summoning spell, and Riddle, who was nearly on top of it anyway, just a couple of short steps away from Dimitri's unconscious body, dove for the invisibility cloak. In one fluid motion he pulled it away from Dimitri and over himself, disappearing as simply and thoroughly as if he'd melted into the ground. Avalicadavra! incanted a witch with greasy yellow hair, but the terrible green light only struck the ground. Where Riddle had been, a patch of grass withered and browned. Someone was trying to kill Riddle. Several someones. Perhaps ten seconds had passed. A hand gripped Hermione by the shoulder of her robes and pulled her up. She jerked, half-screamed, almost punched the wizard who'd touched her, a large man with curly white hair and deep furrows chiseled into his face. "'I've got you, kid. You're safe,' the wizard said, speaking so quickly and with such a strong Hungarian accent that Hermione had a little trouble understanding him. He pressed a broom into her hands. "'There is an anti-disapparition jinx, so you must—' There was movement beside the Hungarian wizard, something small and white, the tip of a wand she realized too late, and a flash of green light, and then he fell forward, toppling her and knocking the broom out of her hands. The broom rolled a little on the ground and blinked out of sight and back again, now split in two. She heard someone choking and gagging a few feet away, but by the time she got out from under the Hungarian, there was another body lying there with a thick, curved horn protruding from its mouth, caked with blood and spittle. Her hand shook, and she nearly dropped her wand, couldn't remember when she'd drawn it, couldn't think of a single spell to cast. Hermione was brought back to the present moment by the thought of Dimitri, and she looked back behind her. There he was, short, black-haired, laying on the grass. It looked like he'd hit his head in a gravestone. He seemed no older than she was. A shape crossed Hermione's path before she reached him, and she nearly cast a severing charm. The first thing that came to mind before she noted the white gold robes on the witch she'd almost attacked. Hermione bit back her incantation, but did not lower her wand. Granger, yeah, the witch said. She sounded Dutch. Who is he? she asked. As her wand cut through the air to deflect a purple bolt that had been unleashed from nothing, D Dimitri, I, I mean, D Dimitri, 
Hermione said, unsure how to explain or if she even should. Whatever he is, we must get you out of here. Who are you? Hermione asked. She would have liked to know, too, why she and Dimitri had been pulled to the scene of an assassination, but she didn't have time for that. And there was a shift in the darkness, a flash of white where there had been only night and air, and an arrow sword from the witch's wand, shining in the dark and twisting like a snake in flight. It disappeared, as if swallowed up, and then a light flashed in Hermione's eyes. The witch tackled Hermione to the ground as something whistled past her left ear, both of them falling together, then stuck the end of her wand at the ground. Soil flew into the air as if the witch had thrown down a bomb, and in the next moment she yanked Hermione along. "'Stay low and shut up,' she said, pulling Hermione down and forward by her robes beside a grove of tombstones. "'What is it you English say? Fuck this for a game of soldiers?' the witch said as she pulled a muggle pistol from her robes. "'Pariditrotzak!' she snarled, and she leaned past the gravestone. Above the clamor of the fighting there was a bang, and someone screamed. It didn't sound like Riddle. "'Fucking Tifus! Move!' the witch ordered. "'What about he knows about bullets?' the witch shouted. And she dropped the pistol and pulled on Hermione's hand, leading them in retreat again. Of course Riddle knew about bullets, Hermione wanted to say. He was muggle-raised, maybe even muggle-born, wasn't he? But bullets traveled too quickly. He would have needed to prepare a counter beforehand.' Hermione's thoughts were cut short when the other witch ceased to pull her along and turned her shoulders in a way that shouldn't have been possible if she was holding Hermione's hand. It was odd, since Hermione felt as if she were still holding something. When she stopped running and looked down, she found finger bits in her hands like little sausage slices. "'Your fingers!' Hermione cried out, and she thrust her hand forward as if the other witch might take them. "'Keep moving!' the other witch insisted, turning around as another bit of her hand fell away. Except for the fact that she wasn't bleeding, it was like her right arm was slowly being fed into a meat slicer. But it's a progressive curse! I'll get a prosthetic, the witch interrupted. Let's go! There was a glint in the night and a wet pop, and two red streaks across the air. The witch slapped her hands to her neck, fingerless, and losing thin slices of her palm by the second, blood spread past the edges of her hand and wrist and blood sprayed freely from the other side of her neck. them," she said, almost sighing, and she fell. Hermione knelt, incanting spells as fast as she could think of them, patch-up charms and bandaging charms, anything that occurred to her, but maybe she stammered too much, or her wand work was imprecise, or she just wasn't using the right spells. It was all the same, it wasn't enough, and it was all that Hermione could do to not make a noise as she cried. Her eyes burned, but she couldn't wipe them. There was blood on her hands. Her robes were soaked with it. There was more than she'd ever thought could come out of a person, and it had pooled and turned the dirt to mud where she sat. Back pressed against a gravestone, Hermione tried to control her breath. She was lightheaded and could hardly hear the noise of battle over her pounding heart. Her eyes caught a name on a nearby tombstone, and she tried to calm herself by reading Gauvelin-Lavigne, Perrine-Blanchet, Delia Dupont. The portkey had taken them to France, Hermione realized. That's why it was night already. And if they were in France, then the Argent would arrive any time now, just as soon as they learned of a disturbance. A moment passed, then two, and Hermione stared at her hands, wet and sticky with the blood of someone whose name she didn't even know. A wizard screamed, and Hermione realized she couldn't afford to wait. It didn't matter when the Argent were going to get here. People were dying now, they were dying, and Hermione realized with horror it was a little bit her fault. 
Whoever these people were, they had expected Riddle and one other person, one person, not two, much less two people, and an invisibility cloak. The gold robes had stacked the deck against Riddle, maybe planned for this moment ever since the Triwizard Tournament was announced two years ago, and Hermione and Dimitri had gone ahead and fucked everything up. Hermione stood, steadying herself on the tombstone as she slipped on the mud and the blood, rose away, spitting eye continued to fight, quick with his feet and quicker with his wand, looking for all the world as if he were dueling alone, except for the spell lights that emerged from total darkness. He appeared to be the only one left standing. With a flurry of wand work too quick for Hermione's eye to follow, Spinning Eye roused a line of tombstones from the earth. Their shapes flowed like water as they moved until they were large, granite boars with tusks like halberds. Riddle shattered two of them, and the fragments rose and rained down on the cemetery like stone hail, huge chunks as big as her fists hitting the ground here and there. A third boar was split in half, but in the space of that spell, Spinning Eye found an opening to cast another spell. Whatever it was, it didn't find Riddle. Flashes of spell light and conjured objects whirred through the air with such incredible speed and ferocity that Hermione couldn't entirely follow the flow of the battle. Each spell built on or countered another, flames erupting and quenching, walls forming and crumbling, spells snapping and crackling in every color, beams and whips and sprays of light. Hermione watched them like she might watch two dragons fighting. They were focused only on each other, but if she took her eyes off them, then she might be swept away by a stray flame or a great barbed tail. Dimitri was on the other side of them, somewhere. She'd have to sneak around to get to him, but the jetsam of the duel was everywhere. Shattered tombstones, broken bodies, frozen lights, and glass crows pecking at the corpses. Nothing here really mattered except for Dimitri, but Hermione was making slow progress and had not yet reached him when the sounds of the duel ceased. She turned around to see Spinning Eye step backwards, then fall. She could look at nothing else except the space where he had been— Somehow Hermione had expected him to hold out long enough for her to escape with Dimitri. The graveyard was quieter than the dead. "'Well, that's that, I suppose,' Riddle said, and Hermione startled. His voice was much closer than she'd expected, and turns to see him standing just ten or fifteen feet away from her, half visible beneath the invisibility cloak, now wrapped around him like a shawl. This was not how I planned to spend the evening, but it was more fun than I've had in ages. The sorry fact of winning a war is that there's nobody left to fight. Riddle was hardly paying any attention to her, if the position of his mask was any indication. He appeared to be more interested in the battlefield, looking up as if he were inspecting the scene of a crime or examining a work of art. When his mask turned just that little bit more away from her, Hermione cast a knockback jinx. He twisted away from it like a viper, moving before she even finished the final stroke. But his attention was on the spell, not on Hermione, and she ducked behind a gravestone in those precious seconds of distraction. "'Miss Granger, you have my respect,' Riddle said. And there was a silence for a moment, and Hermione saw a gravestone levitate into the air and move away. Your courage, your tenacity. Seven witches and wizards died tonight to challenge me and you. Seeing that, chose to fight me as well. Another gravestone floated through the air as he spoke, and uh, then another. While Hermione darted from this one to that one in a direction that she hoped was at least a little Dimitri word. 
You don't share the same level of skill, of course. But don't be discouraged, Riddle said. Some of them probably spent more time dueling than you have spent breathing. These things take experience. Demetrius, she was pretty sure, was not that far, but Riddle was getting closer. I ask that you end this at once, Miss Granger. There is a fine line between bravery and bullishness, and you are wandering close to it, Riddle said firmly. I have no desire to kill you. On the contrary, I intend to save you. But that does not mean that I will not hurt you, if you force my hand. Only a few feet away from her a tombstone was blown to fragments. There are many ways to inflict pain without leaving permanent damage. She blindly cast a birching hex from behind her tombstone, nothing serious but did it make a sound, and waited a moment, then darted around the side, the incantation of a finger-snapping hex on her lips. Riddle hadn't taken the bait, or he'd looked back too quickly, and before her body could catch up with her brain, his wand slashed the air and his spell flew. With a sick crack, her leg bent backwards at the knee, Hermione collapsed. She bit down on her lip hard enough that her mouth tasted of blood, but hardly a sound at all was able to escape. Riddle was motionless, lost in thought or observation, then nodded and stowed away the wand in his left hand, and pulled down the invisibility cloak from where it hung awkwardly around his shoulders. I'm reasonable enough not to expect anything, but an expression of gratitude would be appreciated regardless. "'For breaking my leg?' she asked. Trying to keep her voice level, she would not cry out, she would not give him the satisfaction. "'For helping you to become a witch who could bear to have her leg broken.' "'I could have done without the lesson.' "'No,' Riddle said. And he almost sounded disappointed. "'I'm rather afraid you couldn't have.' Hermione dragged herself over a couple of inches of ground, pushing with her good leg, and as she strove for her wand just a few feet away, but just as it was nearly within her grasp, a gentle breeze rolled it away again. She pressed forward another inch, and the wand rolled again. "'Let your wand be, Miss Granger,' Riddle said. "'I could do this all night, but we both have better things to do.' She looked back at him. "'Don't worry, I'll pick up your wand for you before we leave,' he said. And then he flicked his wrist several times, folding the invisibility cloak more elegantly than Hermione would have thought was possible to do with just one hand. At the same time, Riddle turned from side to side as he surveyed the remains of the battle. "'I seem to have overindulged myself. Ah, no, fortune favors the bold, after all,' Riddle said, stalking off to the right. "'Look at me.' he said to a body at his feet. Look at me! Riddle crouched low to the ground and jabbed his wand down at its head. When he drew his hand back, it pulled up the witch as well, as if her head were attached to Riddle's wand. Without looking at him, she spat in his general direction. Father Joe, she said. Only the loathing in her voice made the meaning clear. "'Remember that I offered an alternative,' Riddle said. 
His wand disconnected from the witch, and she dropped limply to the ground. He gestured with his honeycombed wand, and she writhed, her back arched, her fingers clenched tightly enough to draw blood. Her body twisted and froze and shivered, and silvery neem poured out of her, running from her eyes, her nose and ears, even escaping from her mouth in choking, hacking coughs. With a few conservative motions of his wand, Riddle conjured a glass vial into his free hand, and then guided the neem into the air in order to collect in the vial. It took me three years to design a memory-extracting charm that could be used on another person like this. The pain is a necessary ingredient, I promise. Riddle paused. You were responsible for that switchblade hex, weren't you? Riddle pressed a hand against his robes, and the glove came away with the slightest degree of red. Yes, you did well. It may come as small solace now, but you will never be forgotten, and you will never die, Riddle said. And he pointed his wand against her forehead again. Avadakadavra. The coughing stopped. Now, where did we leave James? Riddle scanned around for a moment. You wouldn't know anything of James Potter, he remarked. But you seem to have been acquainted with his son. Yes, his son. James didn't have anyone who might have left him a nephew. And the resemblance is uncanny. I don't know who you're talking about, Hermione said, mostly honestly. Someone from my past. I thought that the strangers killed him, but that belief appears to be an error. With the vial of Neem still in his left hand, Riddle approached her, looming taller than a Dementor as she remained on the ground. Hermione turned her head away and ignored his order to open her eyes, but he tapped his wand against each eyelid and bespelled them open. She couldn't blink, and her eyes started to water almost immediately as he touched his wand to her forehead and made her face turn to meet his mask. Hermione tried to strike him, shove him away, but he stepped aside easily and flourished his wand, and her right arm fell uselessly. I am trying to be nice, she thought of the other witch, choking and shaking at Riddle's feet and shuddered. Nice? Would you rather that I remove your eyelids? I could put them back when we are done, Riddle said, but I must know what the Potter replica is doing here. And you seem to be the only one with an idea. Dimitri, she had whispered, looking at the spread of limbs. No, she was getting distracted. Try again. Dimitri, she had whispered. Why had she thought of that? Why was she thinking about this now? Dimitri, carmina nulacanum, non me pascente, capelai. Dimitri, florentum citissum et saliques carpetis amaros. Hello, I'm Dimitri Polyakov. She had heard him say, yes, the boy from Domestrang. Hello, I am Dmitry Polyakov. He had taught her occlumency, taught her to look away. The blind man is a perfect occlumency, you see? He had said, but she couldn't look away. Riddle was looking for something, something she knew, maybe something she didn't know she knew, so she thought, she remembered, back to their occlumency lessons where Dmitry at least was safe. This is not the place for the sharing of secrets. What secrets was he keeping, and what secret were you keeping, besides his illicit assistance in the third task? There was a place where there are no secrets, October had murmured. 
except for those which we keep from ourselves. October, the scent of lemongrass, a message, a warning written in her hand. Protect your mind. Where did he find the time to write that, and how without his notice? Is this why you took up occlumency? Occlumency? She was being pulled along. She wasn't directing the course of her thoughts anymore. She had to... Et tanta fuit romam tibi causa videndi. She'd had occlumency lessons all through the past year, but fewer and fewer because... But there is also a zeroth rule, he had said. The zeroth rule of occlumency, he had said. Because I cannot be the only one to know, he had said. What did he tell you? I killed him. The Dementor, she had wondered. And Riddle was a Dementor, too, in his way. How he pulled at each painful thread, drew out her memories. And she hit a wall. An indescribability. A limitless abyss where there was no space for thought, and even her memories fell away as if Riddle were peeling back her brain one hair-thin layer at a time. All that was left was the despair. It was the feeling of the Dementor, Hermione realized, brought to life again in her skull. How, how could Riddle bear to wield a knife like that without cutting himself at the same time? And with it came every attendant sensation, every associated memory. Honorine de la Housse and Beatrice Haywood, memories of Derek Peregrine and nightmares of Fleur, burning, burning, burning. I didn't mean to, to, to do it, she remembered. Not her words, not riddles. Dimitri, she whispered, and... Not you, not you, he begged, and his voice, his higher voice... That is because you have levitated me! Gorgo Blosseropis, Estefanato. Pain, pain, pain. Peridedemos de Fobaste. Another world, another world. Hermione was aware, too, of her trembling body, and especially her eyes, already dry and beginning to burn as if she were staring into the sun. Outside of herself, outside her memories, an amber light streaked through the cemetery and shattered the vial of Neem in Riddle's hand. He froze for a bare instant, recovering just in time to parry a second spellbolt. He drew his other hand, but his grip was loose, and Hermione could see the shimmer of glass shards in his hands. Riddle parried, deflected, replied with a red bolt of light and took a step back while Spinning Eye, on his feet again, pressed his new assault. Whether he had revived on his own or lain in wait for a moment of adequate inattention, Hermione couldn't begin to guess. But Riddle's attention had been brought to bear on him and was no longer on Hermione. She took the opportunity to move again, ignoring the pain of her broken leg, the agony in her unblinking eyes. Hermione still had one leg with which to push, still had one arm with which to reach, and that would be enough. She could try to heal herself if she got her wand, and if she could run, then she might be able to escape. Dimitri was still unconscious, but she could still levitate him. They would be fine if she could push forward just once more and once more. Hermione spared a glance behind her to confirm that Riddle's focus was still elsewhere. In that moment, fire issued from the end of his honeycombed wand, resolving into bestial half-shapes, serpents, lions, phoenixes in flight, a roaring tempest flame that flowed like a river of fire. And then it turned back. Fiery teeth clamped around his wrist, coils circled up his arm, talons raked his flesh. Jachik, he encanted. His shock apparent not from any change in his tone, but from the need to encant at all, and his arm, his arm severed itself just below his shoulder, then hung in the air while claws and fangs and fire seized, devoured, and incinerated the blackening flesh. 
Riddle turned to her, and in the one moment that Hermione had, she grabbed her wand and cast a single spell. Deposo! Even as the banishing charm flew from her wand, Hermione felt her limbs stiffening beneath a full-body bind. She would have screamed if she could. The sensation was exactly like when Haywood had attacked her. Perfectly still and incapable of movement, Hermione could see Spinning Eye beyond a wall of fire, casting furiously to tame it by inches while the flames danced around Riddle's honeycombed wand like celebrants at an idol, a white-etched pillar stuck perpendicular in the ground. "'You should think about aiming next time,' Riddle said. But Hermione paid it no heed, because she had aimed exactly where she had meant to aim— and before Riddle had finished talking, Dimitri landed just where Hermione had meant for him to land, over the fire and as close to Spinning Eye as she could get him. Hermione didn't know anything about Spinning Eye except that he wanted to kill Riddle, but that was all right, because she didn't know much more than that about Dimitri either. She hoped they would talk long enough to find they had something in common. For a moment, Riddle's remaining wand lifted in Dimitri's direction, but he looked at Spinning Eye and the half-vanquished Fiendfire and then turned away. Riddle quickly closed the distance between himself and Hermione, then pointed his wand at a chunk of rubble beside her. Poultice! Poultice! He incanted again, as if he were holding the word together through force of will. Riddle fell to his knees, put away his wand, and pressed the rubble into Hermione's hand. Notwithstanding the trying circumstances under which Riddle had lain the enchantment, Riddle's work was still more masterful than whoever had sabotaged the Triwizard Cup. Neither of them were thrown this time. Once again, Hermione and Riddle were surrounded, but now by Aurors, Ministry employees, and French diplomatic staff, and more Death Eaters than she felt like counting. All at once there were cries, shouts, screams. One of the French wizards fainted and nearly fell onto Hermione. Riddle's mask was terribly damaged, splintered and chipped and missing a chunk around his eye. Red blood and silver neem flowed together and mixed and ran across his mask and his face, and his eyes stared up as if its gaze had been affixed to the moon. "'Clear this entire area and summon Mr. Sable,' said one of the Death Eaters. "'Establish a connection to St. Mungo's and sever everything else, and don't let anyone come or go from Hogwarts without a Death Eater escort.' "'Who put you in charge?' exclaimed one of the witches with a ministry pin in her robe. "'Do you think this stopped being a matter of government when the kidnappees came back? We are not bringing a bloody Dementor out here!' Riddle raised his left arm, weakly and with great effort. "'I have spoken,' he hissed. And then the arm fell back to his side and his body slumped. Hermione could do little better body half-useless, racked here and numbed there. But she was alive. In the distance there was movement, and her eyes hurt, her vision blurred. But it almost looked like... Hermione! Fleur called. But it might have been a dream. For the full text of this and other stories by the same author, visit the archive of our own page of Call Me Saltisside. The music is Amon Ra by Days Witch under a Creative Commons license with assistance from 1T1. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at sangabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read 
as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.